I'm Donovan Kane. Welcome back to the podcast and this full-length audiobook presentation of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series, written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. And now, episode 15 of Red Sin. Chapter 15. Van. My thoughts continually circled back to the beautiful woman I'd found in the freezing snowstorm. I wasn't a man who saved people or did anything without the promise of reciprocation. That knowledge alone had me questioning myself and my motives. What do I want? Do I want to keep Julia? Do I want her to see me as others don't, as someone who saves instead of destroys? Or is the attention I've given to Wade Pharmaceutical not about Julia McGrath, but because of her? She'd brought the vulnerability of Wade and of Marlon Butler back into my sights. Speaking of Butler, I'd had my private eye do a run of Skylar Butler's credit cards. His last charge was at a gas station in Madison around 10.30 last night. I couldn't help but compare our dissimilar situations. He'd been pumping gas, and I'd been pumping my cock in and out of Julia. It was thoughts like those that brought a smile to my lips. I was between meetings with my concentration on the information on my computer screen. The 15% of Wade Pharmaceutical stock not owned by McGrath, Butler, or me was distributed between eight entities. That meant one of two things. One, the investment was considered so low and unsubstantial that the owners wouldn't panic sell. Or two, the investment was so low and unsubstantial that they'd jump at the chance to sell, especially at a price higher than the environment demanded. The ring of my phone pulled my thoughts away from the list of Wade stockholders. The entities and names were unfamiliar, but I'd have my people do some digging. Even privately held stock was public record. Picking up the telephone receiver, I clenched my jaw as Connie announced the caller, Lena Montgomery. I wasn't surprised that she'd called my office. A part of me wanted to be irritated. After all, I'd avoided Lena's calls for the last 24 hours. A larger part of me was impressed with her diligence. I knew Lena too well to think that she'd simply give up. Put her through, I told Connie. I waited as the lines connected. Van! My shortened name rolled off Lena's sugar-coated tongue. Nice of you to take my call. My lips curled at the confection-filled bitchiness of her tone. Lena Montgomery was the kind of woman who would smile her brightly painted lips, bat her lush, long lashes, and distract men and women with her combination of class, curves, and deceptions. And then she'd take what she wanted. Hell, sometimes they willingly handed it to her. In the world of wolves, we'd found one another. I thought it was, I replied. You know how I like to be considered nice. No need to worry, I won't tell a soul. Your secrets are safe with me too. She hummed. Hmm, <laughs> maybe your cell phone isn't working. No, Lena, it's working. I've been busy. My thoughts returned to Julia, who I'd left under the blankets wearing nothing but my shirt. 
I should have said I was too busy to help when you called. She was right to point out that she hadn't. Lena continued. I've spoken to Jeremy. He said you were able to secure the stock. I leaned back against my chair, turning away from my desk and the large computer screens and toward the tall windows. The tempered glass lessened the sun's reflection on the white paradise. Some people would detest the frozen scene before me. I didn't. I appreciated the isolation brought on by Mother Nature. That is correct. Thank you, Ms. Montgomery. Your help was priceless. Oh, come on. You know nothing is priceless. <laughs> Everything has a price. And every one, she added. I've been racking my brain since you called the other night, trying to figure out your end game. Now that you have the stock, tell me what you have planned. I know you hate Marlon Butler as much as I do, but damn, you just paid too much for a company that's bound to end up as a footnote on a pharmaceutical giant's portfolio. I've done some follow-up, and with Marlon's son, Skyler's fiancé, taking off before their wedding, the value of Wade has begun to tank. Is watching Butler falter not good enough for you? Lena, you know me better than that. Having Butler fail isn't enough. It never will be enough. Was it enough for you when you fucked Logan? Logan was Marlon's brother. For the record, I intended for the verb to have multiple meanings. Lena's story was complicated. Her parents died tragically in an accident that netted her and her sister a handsome payout. She ended up in a relationship with a divorced attorney who offered to help turn their settlement into more. He did make it more, <laughs> just not for her or her sister. At that point, the two of us had yet to meet. Finding herself in need of financial help, Lena agreed to a one-year assignment. It covered her housing and food and paid exceptionally well, allowing her to help her sister. The company was by referral only and was headquartered in New York. When she signed the contract, Lena agreed to be available to the person who held her contract for the year. It was explicitly explained that while sex was implied, this wasn't a sexual agreement, and being that she came from a good family, everything was confidential. Nearly twenty years ago, Lena was paired with a man who was planted as a decoy by Logan Butler, the same attorney who took her money. The arrangement settled a debt for that man. It also landed Logan, the man who stole her and her sister's future, back in Lena's life. Not long after she signed the contract, the two of us met, introduced by Lena's sister. My friendship with Lena was conceived by a mutual desire to bring down Logan and the company that imprisoned her for a year, Infidelity. Once we were done, so was Infidelity. No one else would be subjected to what Lena had been. Our actions weren't pure or selfless in intent. We both walked away with a sizable payday. A company like Infidelity will pay an exorbitant amount to keep its clients' names safe. Lena's voice brought me back to the present. Logan Butler fucked up when he thought he could take what wasn't his and then turn around and continue to control me. In my mind's eye, I could see Lena smile and the shimmer of her brown eyes. And Marlin came to his rescue, one of his many mistakes. Her laugh rang through the receiver. 
<laughs> I don't mind helping you take down Marlin. Tell me why there's such a rush. Inhaling, I debated telling my old friend about Julia McGrath. Call me selfish, but for a short time, I wanted to keep Julia to myself. Van! As you mentioned, Wade Pharmaceutical has been vulnerable. I can list three different larger pharmaceutical companies, including two of the ones currently reaping the benefit of large government contracts, that are willing to swallow up Wade. Jeremy confirmed my suspicion that Marlon Butler was ready to buy additional stock. He'd already laid the groundwork with the shareholders, finding the ones willing to sell. If Butler would have carried out his plan, Marlin would be a few shares away from owning the majority of Wade, even without his son's marriage. I read that the two are working on reconciliation. Maybe Marlin wants his cake and to eat it too. I was certain that Julia wasn't currently working on reconciliation with Skylar Butler, but I couldn't share that without giving up my secret. Lena continued. It doesn't sound like Butler's goal is to make Wade stronger. A grin came to my face. Hell no. He's been waiting to sell. Selling after the wedding would put Wade at a high. Marlon Butler would have cashed out and tripled the worth of each share. So your rush to purchase wasn't about owning Wade's private stock, but about stopping Butler from cashing in. Now I need to get Butler's stock, I said. Why do you want a tiny pharmaceutical company located in the Midwest? Maybe I want to be philanthropic and provide low-cost medication to the masses. Right, Lena said. Your philanthropic desires have always dictated your financial moves. Besides, you know, Butler's portfolio includes more than his shares of Wade. He's diversified. If Wade drops in value as I anticipate, he'll dump it. That gave me another thought. There's the issue with him being one of the original stockholders when Herman Wade offered stock to new investors. If you're insinuating that Marlon Butler will go down with the ship out of some sense of loyalty, your recent desire to help the masses has clouded your judgment. <sighs> I don't just want his Wade stock, Lena. I want everything. I want to watch him standing on the bow of that sinking ship as it slips into the depths of Lake Superior. I hear it's cold. <laughs> Not where he's going. Marlon Butler's most recent sin was his plan to screw Julia. The nail in his coffin was Julia's and my meeting. Yes, he'd been on my radar, but now that radar was laser-focused. My mind went to Julia and to her parents. I didn't know them. My knowledge was coming in slowly. What little I'd learned in the last 48 hours gave me the feeling that Greg McGrath had worked hard over the last decade, perhaps out of a sense of duty to his wife's family, working to keep Wade liquid and profitable. I had a private detective digging for more information. The McGraths weren't big contenders in the financial world, or even in the world of pharmaceuticals. Wade's claim to fame began with one of the first patents of insulin. Julia's grandfather made his mistake by putting too much time and money into fighting generic distribution. Instead of fighting, he should have jumped on board, accepting the fate of generics and profiting from both sides. Marlon Butler is close with Greg McGrath, I said, even though he was planning on screwing him. It's always easiest to screw those closest to you. 
She was right. Lena sighed. <sighs> I'm going to ask one more time. Why are you, Donovan Sherman, devoting time to this small company? I have an interest. Beyond Butler? I have a call out to Jeremy. Jeremy was a talented and gifted wizard when it came to anything regarding market irregularities. He's watching Marlon Butler for me. If his private stocks go into the sale mode, I'll know. Jeremy knows that I want them. If you have a want list for Jeremy, you should answer my calls. If the world were divided up into the people on my side and those on Lena's side, Jeremy was hers. She'd found him first. Lena had helped make Jeremy a very wealthy man. His talents have done the same for her. Of course, she has other assets and abilities that have also added to her bottom line. Lena and Jeremy also shared other mutual interests. Lena and I had explored those interests, too. We were better as allies with a common enemy than we were in other roles. You know how cell service can be up here, I said in the way of an excuse. Lena's voice sweetened. Of course you can use Jeremy. Just be open with me. I am. Shall we discuss Madison? She had my attention. Let me call you back from my cell. Yes, Van, let's chat. I wasn't certain how much I'd disclose. Lena knew my secrets better than anyone. I knew hers, too. Now I needed to at least make her think she was in on my plan. The end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Red Sin, book number one of the Sin series. Written by New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal best-selling author Aletha Romig, and read to you by Samantha Prescott and Stephen Dexter. You can find out more about Aletha Romig and her books at aletharomig.com. Find out more about the show at steamystoriesforwomen.com.